Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline. The Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, and Gordy here today. Uh, not Maria. I see Maria on my end, but Gordy is definitely here with us today. Um, it's our first podcast since, uh, what do you want to say, like March? Like <laughs> last year? It's like the, the forgotten podcast, but we are back. I know you're all excited for our uh, professional insight on the Calgary Flames. Uh, first off, how's everybody doing? Good. Like it. It makes sense. We didn't do a podcast since March, and like not much happened. I don't think it was pretty quiet off season. Nothing much happened with the Flames, so you know, nice to be back. <laughs> yeah, pretty status quo. Michael, how's things with you? Uh, same here. Pretty good. No we complaints. Just, we were just discussing before you hopped on, Gordy. Like, I was laughing at everybody up in like Calgary, like freaking out because it was snowing, and I told Michael, I'm like, it's 70 here, and I have shorts on, and the sun's out. And I'm contemplating even going fishing in a kayak on Saturday because it's going to be like 75. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I feel like we live on different planets. Like, it's just, it's nuts. But anyway, that's your weather talk. Weather brought to you by Matchsticks and Gasoline. Uh, Flames last night, 5-4 losers to the Seattle Kraken. Another uh, third period collapse. Uh, this time a 4-2 league goes bebe. And they lose 5-4. They lost to the Oilers 3-2 on Saturday night with a 2-1 lead in the uh, third period. First, um. Michael, thoughts on last night? Uh, looked sloppy early, like they didn't even really kind of like, oh, yeah, we got a game tonight, we got to play. Then they really took it to Seattle, but then it all just kind of fell apart with mental errors, right? Well, yeah, I think it was a, when you consider the whole game, it was a fairly deserved result. I know they took over in the second, but yeah, like you said, Seattle flying out of the gate, they were clearly the better team they were ready. And I'd say, save for a couple of nice plays from Chris Tanev, it should have been more than kind of one nothing after that first period. But then when you kind of look at it the other way, with how the Flames dominated in the second, that like late turnover to get Seattle that tying goal, I think that was just another play you can kind of look back on as kind of like a backbreaker in the game that left things even hanging to the third. I know Calgary came ahead in the third, but really that entire game was pretty much a self-inflicted loss last night. Like you're not supposed to lose. I know Seattle's better this year, but you're not supposed to lose to teams like that on home ice if you're a team like the Flames that's trying to get to where they're trying to get to this year. So... I don't know. It was a pretty frustrating game across the board, right, from lineups to the game itself. So I hope we see something better on Thursday, but I'm not super hopeful on that right now. Uh, Gordy, your thoughts on uh, the game last night? Uh, Joey Decord uh, made uh, 36 saves, gets his, you know, the first win of the season. Another goalie with not a lot of experience that just shuts the Flames down. Or like, I mean, they did put four in on him, but still, like, he was really good last night. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of crazy how this list of like backup no-name goaltenders just just play so well against the Flames. Like we had a stellar Eric Comrie performance earlier this year. Stuart Skinner just just listen to the post all night long the other night. Like it's crazy how this team just reacts to non-starting goaltenders sometimes. But I think Michael's right. Like other than you know the second period and how they started the third period. Like, it really puts into perspective just how horrible that first period was with how good they played later on. Like, 
I don't know if it was the lines or what, but they just, you know, they had no puck possession, no pressure, nothing going on in the first period. Like you guys said, it was lucky to only be one nothing. And then, you know, they get that 4-2 lead and they're just like, you know what, we had a bad start. We fought back and, you know, good job, fellas. Like, let's, uh, let's, let's pack it in, see you next game. And Seattle just kept coming. Like, I know everyone's on the Lucic turnover for the winning goal, but man, like that, that Anderson turnover on a power play in the third period, like that's the one that really just was stunning to me. Like that's just such a bad pass, gives it up and it's a tie game not long after. So, you know, from beginning to end, I think they deserve to lose that game. I think Dan Vladar probably deserved a better performance because I'm not really sure how many of those goals are on him. Like I like a vast majority of them are odd man rush snipes. Like it's, I don't think it was on him at all. And it just kind of puts into perspective how maybe concerning this defense has been in these last couple of games. Yeah. You I mean, you talk about Vladar. I mean, you know, you saw 26 shots, stopped 21 of them and 808 save percentage looks horrendous on the surface, but you talked about Anderson's turnover, Lucic turnover, and even the the shorty, thanks to Kadri turning the puck over um, that led to a break, you know, it's just mental errors last night, doomed the flames last. I don't, and I thought Vladar played really well. He made a bunch of saves stupid as it sounds only, you know, with his save percentage on the night that kept the flames in that game. So um, as a whole, didn't have much problem with Vladar um, just as a, a team that looked listless. And I think we could probably jump ahead of topic. I know we're going to, talk out of turn here about some things but uh, they may be a little bit listless because they played what nine out of their first 10 games at home is it like is it too much of a home advantage at this point is it time to hit the road yeah I think a lot of teams mention how going on early season road trips of any kind but especially extended ones really bond guys together as they you know get away from their families and kind of rely on each other on the road for entertainment and stuff so I mean I, I think there is something to be said about maybe kind of a cushy start to the season um, from the home perspective. And it'll be interesting to see how this team does on the road because it's it's been a lot of home hockey, which is the complete opposite of last season where they got to kind of test themselves early. They were on the road a lot, and obviously we know how they did in the regular season last year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how this translates for the rest of the year. Yeah, Michael, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, at least it's not the Flames team that couldn't win at home over past years. You know, if you're going to have at least they're, they've been able to be better at home, but it just seems like too much home ice. Yeah, totally. I think really anytime you get a homestand or even a road trip of like this kind of length, eight games, especially this early in the year, I think it just doesn't let you kind of settle into your routine of kind of your home for a bit, you're traveling for a bit. They just seem like a team that's ready for that change of scenery that I think, like Gordy said, comes with playing on the road. Also, when you look at it, like, before last night, they'd only played seven games. Some teams have played 11, 12 games by now. Like, it just seems like it's been a really slow start for this, to the season, even schedule-wise. So I just think this team is still kind of coming into their own as a result of that. But at the same time, it's just a messy um, Thing. And then I think with Daryl Sutter, he also mentioned in the post game that the Saladome, I can't remember what the exact term he used, but he basically said the Saladome was dead quiet last night. And I mean, eight or nine of the first 10 games at home is going to do that. Like a Tuesday against Seattle in the middle of a blizzard. I get it. But also, like, I didn't think that was a very necessary thing to, for him to say in the midst of kind of everything else that went wrong last night. Yeah, I don't think the fans being quiet or the lack of a wave 
um, are the reason the Flames lost that game last night. There was plenty, plenty to go around. Uh, they do hit the road uh, November 10th, uh, 8th, 10th, and 11th, uh, 12th, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I take that back, 7th, 8th, and 10th. They get the Islanders, they're at the Devils, and they're at the House of Horrors in Boston. So um, at least they'll get on the road and they'll, you know, they'll have some competition while they're out there. So that's good. Um, the lines last night, uh, the big, the big ah, moment sky is falling. Oh my God. It's all over was Milan Lucic skating in the top six for the first time since 2012 from somewhere, <laughs> maybe, you know, it's been a while since Lucic has been up there. And, um, uh, Michael, you great tweet last night that said, or today that said, I can like Lucic, I'm paraphrasing, can like it, but disagree as to where he is. You can, you know, you can uh, pose that more elegantly than I just did. But like, Lucic doesn't belong in the top six, right? We're, we're all we're all not crazy. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like he's, and I would also go not even just because of like putting him in the top six, but also the fact that he, along with Rooney and Richie, had been like a really good fourth line too, yeah. which is something this team never has is a a fourth line that does anything besides tread water. Like they've been arguably one of the flames steadier lines this year with the exception of like of the Buffalo game. So I think as much as moving Lucic up was a head scratcher, it also just, it broke, they broke up a lot of lines that had been really gelling before last night. So I think, yeah, I think that was my biggest concern. And then obviously, like you said, Lucic is a top six is just, it's not going to win you games now, let alone in the playoffs. And I know maybe that's like a playoff idea as well. Lucic, big guy, top six, they'll grind out goals. But on November 1st against Seattle, that it just makes even less sense for, for me, for them to do that. Yeah. And especially coming into this game, Gordy, the Flames were five and two. It's not like they were two and five and they were terrible. I mean, I understand, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau's start has been a little bit slow. So all that money and that contract, people are already starting to freak out seven games into the season because we all know trophies and banners get hung from uh, the month of October. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think panic move by Daryl Sutter or is he just trying to maybe light a fire under some new guys? It's it really seems like perhaps a weakness that Sutter has not Today's NHL is his ability to kind of make lines and then deploy lines. I think when the Flames are at home, and I think this showed up more than ever in the playoffs last year against the Oilers, was like Sutter just does not play into the line matching game. He has no interest in doing it. Like he just won't deploy lines against certain other lines. He'll just, you know, kind of lead with his heart or whatever his criteria is for putting lines out. And I think when he puts out lines like Lucic in the top six and he doesn't have this you know, deployment schedule like a lot of NHL coaches do nowadays, it just, it gets ugly. And I think, you know, Lucic is playing every night to to be the best fourth line guy he can, because we all know Milan Lucic can go out on a given night and genuinely struggle to skate or handle the puck at an NHL level. So if he's playing at a good level and you're happy with him, I just, I don't get why that means like, oh, it's time to, you know, move Lucic up the lineup a little bit. They should just be happy with where he's at, give somebody else that opportunity and I mean, like Mike said, like there, we have a great fourth line this year. He's succeeding really well in that position. And I mean, as we all could have expected, he did absolutely nothing, you know, correctly or worthwhile of being in the top six last night. Yeah. And uh, today at practice lines throughout and uh, he's still in that top six skating with everybody. Um, my favorite flame, Nikita Zadorov, has moved up to the second D pairing. Just, I think it's for practice today. Tana was out. I don't know if it's a maintenance day for him. When you look at the Flames' defense, um, you know, Uyghur came out hot. Uh, he's been he's been fairly consistent. Uh, Anderson's been, you know, as Anderson is. 
the Stone Zadorov pairing, I think, has been really good considering, you know, that's one guy who's really big and gets, you know, hammered a lot for his, you know, playmaking ability. And Michael Stone, who spent much of last year just eating popcorn, but played well in the playoffs. I like that bottom pairing. Um, Hannafin, you know, he struggled a little bit last night, but I don't think that the Flames defense is, you know, fine as it is. Like when Oliver Shillington comes back, if he does, if he ever comes back when that's going to be, he's out with a personal problem that hasn't been elaborated on by the team. Where does he fit into this mix? Or somebody mentioned on Twitter, do you throw him up at forward because he skated as a forward before if things aren't working out? Like what, what is, what happens with Oliver Shillington when he comes back? Yeah. And I, I saw, I've seen the hypotheticals with Shillington at forward as well. And I think if that was going to happen at this point, it would have already happened in kind of the days of, Shillington's greatest struggles I I don't know I I don't know about you guys I'm not in love with Uyghur on the left side I he doesn't look all that comfortable and it just seems like kind of an unnecessary move and I think if you're able to spread out Tanev Anderson Uyghur as a as your three right guys when when Shillington's back then have Shillington's Adorov Hannafin kind of throughout there I like I just think it's an easy choice to take Stone out when Shillington comes back just because for all the good offense that Stone brings he's easily the worst defender on the team he's still just so bad in his own end like that is not improved in at all and I mean I don't know exactly what the pairings are Zadorov has actually looked really good this year but I mean, just because Shillington's away from the team, like, I don't know, when he comes back, like, putting him with Tanev just seems like such a given. They were such a good defensive pair, and I just, I think when he's back, he's just, he's got to be right back to where he was last year. Michael, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with Gordy on that. I think you have to get Shillington into the lineup when he comes back. I'm not sure how long, like, like you said, with the timeline of him actually getting back, and then how long once he's in Calgary to get him kind of back up to speed, but... Yeah, he he's got to be in that uh, top six like decor. You move Michael Stone to the seven. You move Mackey, whether that's the AHL or maybe he gets picked up on waivers. But I think the Flames are really missing his uh, dynamic play on the blue line as an offensive defenseman right now. Like I think things are working. There's still a very it's still been a very good top six decor which we've been expecting. But I think kind of you're seeing the upper echelons of what Michael Stone can bring you. And I think we're kind of waiting for a crash back to the, oh yeah, this is why he's been a seventh D man for three years now kind of results. So I think you have to get him in. I'm not sure if you split up the Uyghur antenna pairing, just because Uyghur's always kind of been like a left side guy, but I think you have, to, I think Shillington Tanev just worked so well last year that you'd have to try some other stuff to kind of make it all fit. But you know, he's got to be in the top six as soon as he gets uh, whenever as soon as he gets back to Calgary, whenever that may be. Yeah. And because arguably he's one of their best skaters, too, as a whole on the team. He's he handles the puck well. He can fly up and down the ice. Um, I know there are people that are down on Shillington's play last year. I I'm fine with Oliver Shillington. I have no issues. It's just it, Michael Stone. I it, it, the pairing at practice today was Stone and Mackey. And I don't know if I like the flames going out on the ice with that as their their bottom defensive pairing. Um, so we shall see. But. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was interested to see how this team would do with without good Branson out there as well on that bottom pairing because he was such a good good player for the Flames last year. But that bottom pairing has done what it's supposed to do for the most part. So 
we'll take it. And we can we can go to the Columbus uh, exodus in a little bit. We can we can talk about that. But um, finally, uh, people panicking like crazy, like that it's the sky is falling in Calgary, and then you know we, there needs to be another top. I love that we the Calgary needs to trade for another top six forward because those are just easy to get. They're relatively cheap to pick up. They don't cost a lot, and they just fall out of the sky. Teams are always looking to get rid of top six forwards like eight games into the season, right? I mean. <laughs> So um, way too early, right? It's it's eight games into the season. I said today, nobody hangs a banner for having the best October ever. So, you know, it's way too early to panic, right? Yeah, like considering in, you know, July or June or whenever, like we were genuinely considering like what it would be like to have to rebuild this entire franchise, like going through some growing pains of, you know, guys building chemistry and just figuring out what these lines are going to be. And you're still five and three, like it's not the worst place to be. And, you know, the time to figure this stuff out is now not come April and stuff. So 100 percent, it's too early to panic. There are the, you know, the red flags, I think, that you can definitely keep an eye on because, you know, Markstrom has given us some things to worry about this year The you know, the defensive side of the puck has not been that good. Um, obviously, you know, Jonathan Huberto and the top line and all this stuff, like there are things to keep an eye on, but like as a whole, like, you know, we're nowhere near like Maple Leafs or Vancouver panic. Like we're in a pretty good spot relatively, I think. Well, and I look at too, like people like hammering on Huberto that like he hasn't done what he did. Someone tweeted out today. He can't skate like a drill. He can't pass like a drill. I'm like, first off, he's got great hands. He he feeds the puck very well. I think he's trying a little too hard. Maybe he's gripping the stick too tight. You know, the old saying he's trying to do too much and trying to be like, oh, look, at, I'm, I'm the guy that can feed. I'm, I'm slick like that. But also, you look at a preseason, right? How much time did any of these guys spend together skating on lines in the preseason in competitive games, right? That's why, like, hockey preseason drives me nuts. You don't, it's so hard to gain anything out of that. Yeah, Nazem Kadri's been unbelievable. Like, I could not be happier with Kadri's play. Um, I, I'm sure Huberto's going to get there. Maybe he's not a 100-point guy, a 100-plus point guy again, okay? That's, you know, that may not happen, okay? But, like, these guys all still need to work together in gel, which is why I didn't like them breaking up those lines. You don't get any consistency and you don't get better with your teammates if you're not spending time with them. So I don't think the preseason was enough. And I certainly don't think eight games is enough. Do you, Michael? Yeah, not at all. I think going into last night's game, like we said, the breaking up of the lines, like I thought we were just kind of getting ready to see what Hubert Lindholm to Foley could do. Like they were pretty much snake bitten but we're doing everything else pretty right i would say for the most part and then we also had the second line with manjapani kadri dubey which was for all intents and purposes the first line for the first seven games of the year just because they were so good and i know yeah i'm in some ways it's hard on huberto because he has big shoes to fill he he came in as the guy in the offseason to kind of replace the Gujarat kachuk exodus but I don't. I think he's been fine. I think he's settling in. I don't. I think it's gonna take some time to see him get up to that form we saw in Florida, just playing a totally different game with totally different line mates. But I think the one thing you don't do when you're trying to get this new guy still settling into the team is you completely change his line mates seven games into a season after one. I would say unlucky loss where you were probably still the better team against the Oilers on Saturday. Yeah, I just. I feel like this is a. I need to do something just to do something type move instead of letting it just work itself out and let the line again, it's October. There's plenty of hockey left in the season. Uh, they've played what eight games, 82 games, you know, there's 74 games left. There's, there's, there's a lot of hockey to be played. So, and five and three. Okay. Okay. So you lost to the Kraken. big deal. Okay. That's, that's like Calgary beating Vegas for the first time. Woo. Good for you, Seattle. You know, you got your win. 
great. Now you're four, you're one and four against the Flames. Um, yeah, so I I'm a big fan of don't panic too early and honestly, like let these guys figure each other out. Let them let them work it out and let the lines coalesce. I mean, I would love to see a little more from Elias Lindholm. The two assists last night were good, but you know, Lindholm, I feel like he's got to get adjusted as well because he's not out there with Johnny and Matthew anymore. He's got new line mates, so they got to figure it out. But I love that. What was that second line of Dubé, Manjupani and Kadri? I just think Kadri has been like the, the off season prize for me so far. Just, I always liked him as a player, but then watching him come in and just, He's been he's been awesome outside of that turnover. I mean, that that drive he had to the net last night where he lost the puck, got it back, took that shot from the left hand shot from the odd angle and buried it at the far post was just nice. He just he's been a revelation to me. I'm I'm, I honestly I don't don't miss the other two watching him play. What about you guys? Your thoughts on Kadri? Yeah, I mean, like I personally didn't like Kadri all that much specifically only because of that Mark Giordano incident where he was like Giordano threw a huge hit in front of him in the net and Kadri slit in his throat from the bench. I didn't like him after that, but man, like the skill is just crazy. Like he's just so smooth out there. Like he just, he can, he's such a good skater, which, you know, I don't think Kachuk was. So it's kind of nice replacing him in that way and just having like a, elite player like that on a line other than your top one is is pretty cool and he he has just been such a treat to watch how about you michael yeah i'm right there with you i i had a bit of hesitation when they signed him just there was a lot of questions swirling a little bit older seven by seven it's a big contract to give out but i think if you look even now like a lot of people are saying oh he was just a product of the avalanche and how good that team was last year but if you look at how much colorado's kind of struggling without him and how well he's just fit right into the flames. Like, no adjustment, just right off the get-go. He's been, without a doubt in my mind, the best flame through the first eight games. Like, I, I, I think he's passed all of our tests with flying colors. He's looked good with wherever he's kind of fit in the lineup. He's fit seamlessly on the first power play. Like, just, just head and shoulders above, I think, what even we were expecting in our best-case scenario. So, yeah, uh, 10 out of 10 for Naz so far. Yeah, and for me, too, what I look at is I've always been – a huge Michael Backlund fan and to this day I am. And it's, I'm happy to see Backlund slotted down on the third, the third line where he doesn't have that pressure to perform as a second line center, which I, I love Backlund. He's not a second line center. He doesn't, he's a great 200 foot play, a good, you know, defensive center, but like not always the best with offense. And Kadri, I think <laughs> gives you that chance, right, Gordy? Yeah. Sometimes Backlund has a clear shot on a shorthanded break and he passes back into the man. <laughs> Well, hey, I'd rather see that than as every Flames defenseman does is tease it up from the blue line and sails it six feet over the net and eight feet wide. It's just an <laughs> epidemic of Flames players since Dennis Weidman taking slap shots that just can't seem to hit the net for some reason. Though I guess, you know, you get people's attention if you're Michael Stone and you're humming the puck by their head, you know, four feet from the net, you know, <laughs> put your head on a swivel. So uh, I guess we got that going for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's talk about uh, some of the departures. I don't know if Ben Ray games into the season and it's, you know, the summer and not much happened. But a, a couple players left Calgary this year. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk both uh, leave via different routes. Johnny at the 12 o'clock hour was going to be a Calgary flame for life. And then decided, you know, it's a great place to play hockey. It's such a fun state. And the city is just world-class top five North American major city goes to Columbus, Ohio. And I think when you go to Columbus, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio goes, what what, you're coming here. Really? What? Yeah. yeah. Columbus, really? You're coming (laughs) here. Wow. man, We got that cool cannon, but all right, that's cool. Uh, So Johnny goes to Columbus and, it's going to be the savior of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are 3-7-0 and in an eighth place in the Metropolitan. Um, in 10 games, he's got eight points. You know, that's fine. But he has zero power play points. Not a goal, not an assist. I don't know if that's maybe because Columbus hasn't been on the power play all season. I don't know. But um, and not to not to belabor the point, because, like, I get it. You made a decision based on whatever you wanted to make the decision on. It's It's your life. It's your money. It's your family. I don't care. Whatever. But, like, Columbus in... It's obviously not working right now, right? Again, not time to panic 10 games into the season, but at 3-7-0, no bueno, right, Michael? Yeah, totally. It's It was a head-scratcher from the day it happened. I thought it was really funny that Columbus released their, like, we got Goudreau video, and it starts <laughs> with, like, their management team in the dressing room like being like, okay, we just signed Good Branson to 4x4, four four, which is hilarious in its own right. And then like, I think it was, like, Rick Nash just pops in. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess we heard Goudreau might come here. And they're like, what, really? And... So, like, even they didn't think he was coming there. So I just thought, like, the whole thing was hilarious and kind of sad from the get-go. And then to see him the other night getting, like, booed in New Jersey, because that was obviously the other team that was pretty much in on him till the end. Like, I mean, I hope he has some success. I still like him as a player, but I don't know. To watch Columbus, I think up until last night they were the only team in the East under 500, which is pretty hard to do. Like, I... I don't know. I I don't feel bad for them whatsoever, especially with how much they were gloating about like this is our we took your guy all this. Like I, there was a few Blue Jackets fans all over that this off season. I don't know. Then you're like, wait, wait, you guys have fans? Like there's a fan base <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Gordy, uh, you know because we haven't talked about it, you know because we didn't do much all summer. Uh, your thoughts on the Gaudreau? Like just just such an odd choice, right? I mean, it's like that's like showing up at a relative's house that wasn't expecting you, and they're like, oh, you're gonna live here with us? Okay, I guess. Yeah, and like I think from everything Gaudreau said and how relatively open he's been about it, like you can kind of trace his logic on it. But I, I just think it's so funny with how good New Jersey's been to start the season and with how pretty good Calgary looks. Like it, it just feels like with that decision Gaudreau made, he kind of just said to the world he he doesn't really care all that much about winning. Columbus is ob- like no matter what he says, Columbus to everyone's view is clearly not in a position to win anytime soon and Gaudreau is obviously on the back half of his career so it's a little bit of a disappointing move but I think honestly he was open enough about it that I forgive him I still think that Matthew Kachuk's side of it was the much dirtier side I think Flames fans let him off a bit too easy for the oh well we got something for him well like you realize that this guy was fully prepared to like hold this team hostage 
to get nothing in return, right? Like you guys understand that. Like it's just like tr- Brad Treleving and Bill Zito got this trade done. Matthew Kachuk had zero zero to do with it, and I don't know. Florida is okay again this year, but you know, Gaudreau and Columbus is just going to be ugly for a while, I think. Yeah, the Panthers are five four and one. They're in fourth place. He's, I mean, Kachuk's doing his thing. He's got thirteen points in ten games, so whatever. But like, the whole thing to me was like, yeah, like, I don't know. The, the Kachuk thing was like um, similar to Gaudreau. Like, I did not expect Florida to be one of the teams he would have wanted to go to. You know, I mean, I think everybody had him earmarked for a place like St. Louis or something like that. But like, just like this, these random places they go. You're going to the Panthers who play in a swamp in the dead of Florida, which. Give that team where they go on a run where they're not playing well. And I used to joke when the Flames used to play there and you'd watch the games, like, what is it, like, dress like a brown seat night? Like, they don't know. <laughs> the hockey, like, outside of the Lightning, like, it's, you know, Florida's just not, it's not there. So, uh, yeah, good on them both, you know, whatever. They're, they're both gone. It's time to move on. The Flames, you know, I thought what they got in return for, you know, Kachuk was more than suffice, um, you know, so. You know, all good, but just wanted to look at the numbers and see that, yes, they're both struggling a little bit in the places they are. And I just still to this day, I look I look at a map and I'm like, Columbus, I'd be like if you had all, anywhere you could go in an NFL free agency and you're like, you know what? I want to go to the Browns. I think that's where I want to be. Maybe it's just Ohio. Maybe I got to maybe I have an anti-Ohio bias. I don't know. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, so other things, uh, Flames, um, we haven't got to talk about reverse retro, the pedestal. Um I just, I, I just said maybe you don't need it. You brought Blasty back. You got the best home and road uniforms in the league. Um, I'll let Michael handle this one, Gordy, because we have your special one after this. I, <laughs> I just, to me, it's just like, why, why, like, why, why did you, why did you do it? I, don't, I don't think, and I love that they get. A, I feel like they almost looked at him and they went, all right, we'll play them in five games, whatever they are in December, and then we'll put them in mothballs and we'll never look at them again. Uh, Seems weird, right, Michael, to bring out a special new uniform with all that hype and then wear it like three or four times in a month and then be done with it. Well, yeah, I, I said right from like kind of when they were announcing it, like I don't envy the position of the Flames marketing team that has to come up with like a new Flames jersey, just given how good their current trio of home away and blasty really are. So they were in a tough position from the get go on that. Also, this is a team that really hasn't done a lot to change their uniforms over the years. They did what they have now. Then they kind of had the pedestal era. Then they had the, up until last year, the flags and I guess the blasties on the shoulders, but that was pretty much it. So we knew they were going pedestal and like, it's a fine Jersey, but yeah, it, it strikes me kind of like the uh, alternate from, I want to say like 2015, 16 with the Calgary across the front, like maybe we'll have it for a couple of years and then it'll be that kind of weird Jersey you see from time to time on the concourses. They're like, Oh yeah, that guy. And then, yeah, no, I, they're, they're fine, but I don't think I'm going to buy one personally. Yeah, no, I was like, well, if it's a good, you know, a reverse retro, I'll get as a door off. And then it came out. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, I have a, I have a T-Tough one, an original. Like, and and even that one, I, I was like, I, I never wear it. It's not like it's the best looking jersey ever. Personally, I was pushing hard. I like bring back the Heritage Classic, the the, the <laughs> red and yellow Ronald McDonald with the tan pants. It's just such a great look. I love it. But I think I'm in the minority on that one. Uh, Gordy, uh, your fashion update for the Flames. They finally did something you've been begging them to do, uh, I think, since I've known you. Uh, you want to <laughs> handle this one? Yeah, I, I couldn't even believe it. It was, I think it was like a 12th hour thing. It was like a day or two before the regular season started, maybe even the day of. It was just like a 
casual random tweet on twitter just like oh yeah we had the vote this year and uh, we're switching to white chin straps it's like oh my god like this needed like a press conference like what are you guys doing um but they look good right like they look way better like because for people who maybe didn't notice them before i'd be genuinely curious to me they just they are everything i expected them to be they just complete the look like i think they look awesome uh, okay, I, I know you love it. Like, what if they just, I mean, it's the NHL. The Flames have plenty of money. They would probably, how many, you know, guys are on the bench on the roster that come to practice? Like, couldn't they have gone red and just matched the helmet too? Like, did it have to be white? Could they have gone red? Or is that, well, or am I pushing too far for total matching? Well, I think it's like the white striping on like the bottom of the red jersey. It's kind of like, kind of links in with that. But it's it was just more that like there's no black on the jersey. If if it, they had red, red chin straps, fine. It was just the, the black just made no sense. And quite honestly, that was my problem with the original pedestal as well, is it just had this random black striping, you know, after decades of red, white, and yellow. So personally, like I think the all black look actually kind of completes the pedestal. It's still not, you know, the greatest jersey ever, but I think it makes it a little less eye-jarring personally for me. So, like Mike said, they had the perfect trio jerseys already. They're in an unenviable position. They did a pretty good job, quite honestly. Yeah, it's got to be tough for some teams, too, to come up with stuff like the Canadians. Like, they don't change their uniforms. It's a classic look. It's a really nice jersey set. Same with the Maple Leafs. I mean, maybe it is time for them to change some things up because success has not exactly been their, uh, you know, their 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 thing. But, like, you know, some teams. But then you've got, like, Vegas coming in with, you know, reverse retros. But, like, you've been here, like, a week. You don't get a reverse retro. Like, you don't need one, you know. And then some of them going back, like, Nashville's got the giant, like, buck tooth cat thing. Those things are just... Mm disgusting they're hideous um the one i do love and we've totally derailed this and i'm taking over jersey talk now. <laughs> i love the uh the shark seals jerseys i think those are awesome like that is such a, if they went white skates it would be amazing just complete the whole look but I'm, i don't know if you guys think some of that stuff i feel like is done just to have it done like if you don't need one and as much as it's probably weird to say the the oil gear from Edmonton is actually like, I like it with the mm-hmm. orange in it, as opposed to that disgusting silver plane, like that they had before. Um, I just think some teams like they don't need it. Like the Panthers never should have gone like those, the, the rawr, cat coming out is just, I think it just looks stupid, you know, that type of stuff. But I wish, I know it's not popular. there. I wish Dallas had gone back to the, uh, what do they call it? The, the, the Utaurus, you know, where they had, the, they had the tourist constellation. Yeah, the yeah. Mooderous, yeah. The Mooderous, that's what it's, that is like, you're designing, all right, here's what we got. You know that's female anatomy, right? No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a bull, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, we'll wear it. Like, probably the worst jersey decision of all time. But yes, we have a pedestal jersey, which I find meh, and then we have Gordy. The season is made whether the Flames win a game again or not, because they <laughs> no longer have jarring black chin straps on their home red helmets, so that is good. Um, anything else we want to talk about that's going on in the world of sports or anything? Uh, well, Michael, you're a little, little fired up about the football. I mean, yeah, Eagles 7-0. Uh, <laughs> 20-0 season coming up here. I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about that. Excellent. Good times. Uh, Gordy, thanks for uh, the trade yesterday. I needed another running back. That's good. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, Matt Breida, Jeff Wilson, and uh, I think you got Mostert as well, right? Yeah, and we got Mike McDaniel, so life is good at <laughs> <in> Miami. <laughs> Yeah, all those people that always said Tua was no good. I'm like, it's amazing. 5-0 and with Tua, 0-3 with Adam. Funny how that works, huh? Um, anything else in the NHL you guys want to talk about? I know uh, Ovechkin's, you know, getting close to some records. Uh, but um, everybody good with what's going on in Calgary? Anything else you want to touch upon right now? Hockey-wise? Well, 
on on the jersey side it is i mean for me it's just so nice to just see no ads on any of the flames jerseys like not that it's a huge thing for some of them but just just seeing the clean jerseys is still such a nice thing compared to the milk the milk leaves <laughs> canadian dairy farms baby you don't want to you don't want to skip the ditches skip the dishes patch on the front of the yeah. flames jersey <laughs> You probably should skip ditches too. Nothing good happens in a ditch. But the point is, you know, one of those are you don't want a pizza seventy three patch on the on the shoulder. It would have to be McDonald's because it would kind of work, I think. Well, if they're going McDonald's, then they got to bring back the Heritage Classic jersey. That should be like the official sponsor jersey with like two hamburgers on the shoulders. You know, something make it fun. Turn it into one of those weird like, you know, minor league hockey uniforms where they just go head to toe bizarro. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. All right. Uh, if we got nothing else, I think that's going to wrap it up on our rebirth first edition of the uh, regular season tinderbox. Sorry we were gone for so long, but, you know, people have lives and things happen. Um, and now that we're back, it just means you'll want to listen to this podcast more when we post it. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with Matchsticks and Gasoline, you can find us on the web at www.matchsticksandgasoline.com. You can find us on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY. And on Facebook, just look up Matchsticks and Gasoline. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and other places you like to find podcasts. Michael, Gordy, thanks for coming on and joining us, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox. <laughs>